0: Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe, you're listening to Shark Byte Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. (laughs) I'm David Strasser, and it's time for another episode of Shark Bite Biz, your place to grow a business during complete chaos. Today is one of those two for one episodes because not only are we getting a subject matter expert on financials, but we're also getting a comedian. <laughs> I mean, seriously, can we find a better combination than that? I don't think so. Highly unlikely. Look, many people out there have been impacted majorly in a negative way around finances during this pandemic. It's been a tough time for many, many people, and that includes myself. It's been very hard on me very hard on my family we lost a good portion of our income during this crisis so it's been a very emotional time period and many people are kind of just cracking under the the pressure of this pandemic just as in business when you're talking about personal finance you have to remember to take the emotion out of the answer Don't make emotional, knee-jerk financial decisions that you will probably end up regretting later just because you were in a crunch. Today's guest is an expert on the financial therapy side of things, and I'm really glad that they came on this show because I think it's a perfect time for this type of guest. So who is today's guest? Bob Wheeler. Bob Wheeler is a financial expert and motivator, book author, as you can see right there, and founder of The Money Nerve. As a man of true integrity with infectious energy, Bob Wheeler's crusade for personal growth has cross-pollinated with his accounting practice to create a new approach to personal finance. His passion is to help others gain insights about how their emotions trigger financial decisions. So without further ado, let's bring in this top author of The Money Nerve, Bob Wheeler, on in here. Business Strategy. Bob Welcome to Shark Bite. Is so excited to have you here today, David. Thanks
1: so much. I am excited to be here.
0: No problem. So obviously, I know who you are. Many of our viewers, many of the listeners out there in iTunes or wherever, might not have a good idea who you are. So we start off with the tradition. Very first questions. It's always going to be a softball. Tell us who you are, how you got where you're at, what you're doing. Give us that background and all the juicy details about your experience.
1: All right, beautiful. Um, I'm sort of prepared for that. Um, yeah. So, uh, I'm a CPA. Um, I've founded a CPA practice. Uh, I originally went to school to go to law and realized I didn't want to be a lawyer after I met all the lawyers and uh wow. accounting was an easy <laughs> Uh so I jumped into accounting. Uh I built my accounting practice. I also became CFO of the Comedy Store. I've been there 22 years. And wow. I uh, wrote a book called uh, The money nerve navigating the emotions of money which sort of sprung out from my journey with all my tax clients that turned into therapy sessions and i also did stand-up comedy for many years and so my friends are all comics and they were struggling with their money situations i had my own self-sabotage so it's been a money journey for most of my life and i wrote the book so i could start having conversations with people about money to help remove the shame around money of not knowing and feeling bad about money.
0: Right. Choices. Right. Right. Well, first off, I got to say, this is great. I, I didn't realize that you were an actual comedian, so I feel like I'm getting two for one right here.
1: <laughs> two for one, two for one. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. So uh, let, let's dig in first uh, to talk about this real quick. So you own a business called the comedy store for 22 years. What exactly well, is that?
1: So actually, I'm the CFO at the Comedy Store. So the Comedy Store okay. is a club in uh, West Hollywood in La Jolla. That's where Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. Chris Rock, Richard Pryor, Robin Williams, yeah. Roseanne Barr, a few of those people uh, graced the stages. And so it's it's a, a well-known club where a lot of people got their breaks on The Tonight Show. And, uh, oh yeah,
0: no, it's great. I've actually, I, I've been there because before moving out here to Philly, I lived out in LA, out okay. in a little, little, little town in the northeastern corner called Azusa. Oh, there you
1: go. I know Azusa. You know, yeah, it's far, it's yeah. far away from central, but you know,
0: well, it's not that far. It's a look. That's why I like the Azusa because it was so central. I could get anywhere in LA within about 45 minutes max. It was coming home that yeah. would take me three, four, five hours. I know.
1: That's the that's the rough part about LA. You can be 10 miles away and it means three hours.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing I enjoy here at the Philly suburbs, that 10 miles away probably means about a half hour, not the three, four hours. But no, that that's great though. That's a that's a fabulous place out there. Uh, I've been there. I, I loved it. I had some good experiences out there. Yeah. So it's really I really wanted be you on because we've had people from uh, Avalara. Uh, we we have an episode that we just did with um, uh, Charles Reed, who is from GetPayroll.com. Mm-hmm. and you know the financial question. I keep coming back to episodes about taxes, money, financials, because it is so important right now. And one of the things that really drew me to you when I saw your profile is the emotions and money, because yep. we're in an emotional time right now.
1: We are definitely an emotional time. Mm-hmm. It's, I think people are on high alert, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, it's, yeah. it's very stressful. I mean, and it changes week to week. Uh, you know, I think mm-hmm. when this first came out, everybody thought, oh, this will be three or four weeks. Oh, this will right. be two or, two or three months. Oh, this Guilty. Might- <laughs> I was very optimistic in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Uh, I oh, this is crazy. We'll be back to normal. Yeah.
0: I I think every episode of the podcast, I've been saying since July. Yeah, so it seems we're in the tail end of this pandemic (laughs) thingy. And here we are at almost the end of October, Uh, and I don't have a clue anymore. And that emotional feeling of just the uncertainty, you know, you have a lot of questions, just you know, we're in a political climate that's odd right now with everything yeah. combined. I mean, money is weird from a financial standpoint. Do you buy things? Do you not buy things? Yeah. And and I don't think people know what to do.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, the, the first thing I've been saying to all my clients is uh, take a deep breath <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's a lot going on. And, you know, for a lot of my clients that are like, oh, my God, it's all falling apart. Wait a minute! You're still mm-hmm. in your house. You haven't been kicked out. You still have a vehicle. Like you've, you know, you've got food in the fridge. So we don't need. To, it's not like we're in a 24 hour mode that everything falls apart. So let's right. start look at our spending. Let's start looking at where can we cut money. Uh, what, what you know, and just really start to reprioritize. Um, I think the biggest surprise for people is that they've been able to get along with less money than they thought they could
0: right right me included me included i mean it's it's been tough i think from the business standpoint to also a personal standpoint you can't do it i mean during this time it's been tough also uh, you know supporting the podcast right here too yeah. so it's almost like sometimes you take from the right hand to deal with the left hand but it's you know i'm still making things meet pretty well. But I'm sure, you know, it's, it's added a lot of stress. I don't now that my hair's a little longer. Yeah, you could probably see the more gray that I've grown since the course of this podcast. It, it's a stressful time. And I think many people can relate with that. And I, you know, and, and this kind of leads into the next topic that we wanted to discuss, which was like the financial therapy portion. Yeah. You know, how does that play in with the emotional part? Because you don't want to be doing knee jerk reactions, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the reason I get into financial therapy is because I've realized that in my tax practice that a lot of people were making decisions not based on anything that I said, but based on their own emotional story uh, that was going on in their head the whole time I was talking. And uh, and so until I could start to understand, wait, where are you coming from? What's your process Mm -hmm. going on? Oh, wait, because my mom told me. Oh, okay, wait, let's back up. Your mom's not in the room. You know, let's figure this right. out. And, and so what I've really advocated for people to start to look at is, do I come from a place of scarcity? Do I, you know, live in the moment? Am I spending just to alleviate my fears? So I'm just running up the credit card so I don't have to experience uh, a lull of quiet. Uh,
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a therapy session right here. <laughs> uh, this is good.
1: Yeah. So it's like so really starting to go in and like what's going on for you in all of this, you know, crisis that's going on. There's so much going on. And 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 once we can start to look at I really like looking at the history because a lot of us made decisions when we were five and six years old about money, about our parents, about whatever we made decisions. and And now we're adults and we're still working off of those decisions made by a five or six year old. So we need to come in right. and figure out what that is and correct it um, give it some right. other options
0: so you you brought up one important point there and I'm going to use myself as an example, but uh, that's why I started chuckling <laughs> uh, the running up the credit cards for fear of just spending the money I mean my 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 day job with vision thirty three. Extremely, extremely secure. Okay. Unless I do something extremely dumb, there is no way tomorrow I will not be a part of them. I, I'm part of the future that they're building with. I'm, I'm very much of a part of that. Yeah. But even with that, with just everything that's going on, you know, socially, politically, civilly, the pandemic, all that, I mean, it does give me fear. So one yeah. of the practices that I have done over the last few months is, okay, I would rather have the cash secure in my bank account, run up a credit card and pay, yes, I'm paying a ton in fortune, because uh, you know, an interest because of that. But I I felt more secure running up the credit card, hanging on to the cash and dealing with those monthly payments instead of spending the cash straight out. Uh, How how does that play into what you're talking?
1: Well, I, I certainly, Um, can appreciate the part about, let me hold on to the cash. That makes sense. Um, The part about the credit cards, what I would be doing then, instead of just saying, let me just throw it all on the credit cards. Let me look at the interest rates. Uh, Should Mm -hmm. I have gotten a better card? Is it now time to close out this one? Uh, If it gets to a certain balance, are they going to up my interest rate? Uh, So that I can at least figure out what my tolerance level is for the interest that's accruing. Um, if I've got good credit, I might be paying a lower interest rate or I might be looking at stuff saying, okay, well, I'll spend it on certain things, but I'm not going to use my credit card for food so that I'm not paying interest on my food. Um, but again, or can I cut back? Maybe I don't need to eat out three nights a week. Maybe, you know, I'm one of those weirdos. Mm -hmm. I eat at home all the time and I make food. Uh,
0: well, we primarily do as well too. My wife is Peruvian and, she is very everything from scratch, fresh, because that's really how you do it in food, you know. In Peru, yeah. you know, we get here when you know. First, we moved to Mexico, we lived there for a few years, and then we moved up to SoCal and now up here. But you know, she was surprised, like, "Wow, they sell macaroni and cheese in a box," you know, right. things like that. Yeah. So we we are very fresh food in our house as much as possible. That's
1: awesome, and I and I think there's so many places where we overspend that we don't necessarily need to spend. And Mm -hmm. I think this is a great time to really take a look at, well, gee, I'm not going to the gym. Why am I paying for a gym membership? Oh, maybe I need to get rid of, uh, keep the Netflix, but maybe I don't need premium, Mm -hmm. uh, cable. Uh, There might just be a lot of stuff that's on my credit card. I always encourage people to look at the bank statement, look at the credit card and see what keeps reoccurring. Oh, I forgot to cancel that. This is a great time to really just take an assessment of what's important and what can go.
0: That's really interesting that you say that because we focus a lot on the business side of things and all the experts from either small business owners to subject matter experts have all said almost every episode like hey right now is the time to take a step back and you know, reevaluate how you yeah. do things. Why are you doing it this way? It's a good time to reinvent, rebrand, whatever. It's the best time probably in history yeah. to do it right now. Yeah. But we, I, I don't think once we've talked about doing that from the personal side with expenses, yeah. and that's really I think that's a golden nugget right there, what you just said.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting, people that are running big corporations are also running households and yeah. Right. And so if you're, if you're cultivating these habits at home, you're going to be cultivating them at work. Like they come together. And I think that's where sometimes people think, Oh, corporate people are this way. Well, they're actually individual people that are also going home and living their personal lives. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you start at the beginning with the personal, uh it really helps bring everything else into focus because then it helps you focus on wait is is this the job that i want to be at or maybe it Mm -hmm. maybe it's not the greatest job but it's the one that i have in the middle of covid right um and how do i make the best of it um so I, i think we do have to start with looking at our personal stuff and then expand it outward
0: so when you're taking a look at all that personal stuff expanding it. First off, I've got to say, I missed the days that I was in sales because that was, that was awesome because it's like, okay, I'm spending more than I make. What's the solution? Sell more. (laughs) (laughs) Now you get into management. You can't really do that as easy, but, uh, you know, for, for people that don't have that type of option for them, what would you then say is going to be that healthy relationship with money?
1: you know, I mean, you can joke and say, uh, you know, if you spend more than you make, then spend less. And if you, you know, those kinds of things. But I think really, the reality is start to learn to be happy with what you have. Like, I think, I think that most people are focused on being unhappy with they don't have, instead of being happy with what they have. And I think for myself, you know, I took this trip to Africa a few years ago, and it changed my life in terms of I was a bit spoiled and everything needed to be my way right. and quite accommodating. And when I saw other people living in other countries in a different way, it taught me to be a lot more uh, grateful and appreciative.
0: Is this your, your? I, yeah, I heard a rumor about a trip yeah. to base camp Everest. Well, Is I this did. Is this what you're talking about?
1: Well, this was actually Africa. I did a base camp too. There was oh, okay. some really cool stuff there. But when I went yeah. to, um, when I was in Tanzania, uh, people okay. were just happy, happy, happy people. And I'm like, mm-hmm you don't have a nice car. You're living in a straw hut. You know, all my judgments, uh, like you're making a hundred dollars a year. Like, right. Why are you people so happy? Like this doesn't compute. And it, like, I right. really had to sit with that. And I, I just thought, oh my gosh, these people, they have to be in community. They have to learn to get along. They have to learn to work it out. You right. Know, in the U S we can just build a fence or move into a better neighborhood. We can avoid We don't have to actually uh, deal with things because we can just move on. Mm -hmm. And
0: and so I really saw that's really important, though. And I I can really I just want to point out that I can really relate to what you're saying, because when I was 18, this is going back two months after September 11th. I wanted to get the heck out of my household and run as far as way as I could. So I ended up moving to a Tijuana ghetto. In yeah. Tijuana, Mexico, like a literal ghetto that were probably living conditions a little bit better than what you were explaining. And I was able to see that firsthand. I mean, it really changed my perspective at a young age about happiness, what it means to to live, and just, you know, not just visiting that stuff and seeing yeah. it. That's one thing, and it's like sad, but imagine actually living in that type of environment. And I did that for about eight years. I lived in that type of environment, but it really built me into the the person that I am today. And it was a life-changing experience for me as well.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I I think we take so much for granted. And I think, especially in our culture, um, I know this is true for me. I was taught that I am my accomplishments. So my only value is, what can I list out that I've done? I've made this much money. I got this certification. I got this college degree. And so my focus was, look what I do, not <laughs> who I am. And so it was a bit hard initially to let go of, no, 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 I'm my accomplishments. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> I, I you know, So it's it's still sometimes a struggle for me where I can fall into that. But I travel enough and I see other places in the world. And that keeps me really grounded and humble. So how,
0: how did you, yeah, being humble is extremely important. That's something that we've talked about on the episode too. You know, if you're something in sales, stuff like that, you know, you get a big head, you get a little ego going on and you always have to remember to be humble and, you know, remember the people around you that, helped you excel to get to that level i i think that's huge that's something i live by so you're, you're talking about this this transformation that you went through yeah how did that actually occur how did you change that
1: well the first thing we have to get aware right so the first thing for me was i'd gotten my cpa license i was credentialed and uh people that were in lesser jobs than me making lesser money were having much better uh-huh. financial success uh, right. because I was doing my own self-sabotage and I was overspending. Sky's the limit. I make good money. I can do whatever I want. And I was a bit out of control uh, in terms of my spending and and not being uh-huh. grounded in reality. And I just didn't have a solid foundation previously. Um, I went into accounting to learn about accounting and numbers were easy, but not because I was, Oh, I know how to do all this stuff. And so I Mm -hmm. had to really take a deep dive and look at where I was self sabotaging my own beliefs that my parents had fed me, that I bought into um, the, the, the area that I grew up in. um, And, and really started to look at all that and started going, Oh, that's not so pretty. I need to make some adjustments. And then traveling really helped me to see how a bit Mm -hmm. entitled that I had gotten. and, Right, you know that I was just like, "Wow, you know, what are you complaining yep. about?"
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly, and you know that that that's some pretty powerful testimony. And I really like how you phrase that of uh, self sabotage. I think there's so many people out there that are just self sabotaging themselves, whether it's personally, business wise, whatever, just because they're making Bad decisions, and then on top of it, when they do make the okay, everybody makes bad decisions, but it's how you handle the bad decision. Right? Are you going to evaluate that, realize what you're doing wrong, and make changes going forward, or are you going to keep going down that path? I I think a lot of people don't take that step to actually reevaluate, realize, and then you know go down the path of making the changes going forward.
1: Yeah, and I think you know, with social media, with mm-hmm. with media itself, there's this you know we're seeing snapshots of people going, "Oh my God, they have the most amazing amazing life," right? But mm-hmm. we don't know everything that got them to that picture. Um, you know, they could right. be on fire from the waist down, but we're just seeing a smiling face. We're like, "I want to be them," <laughs> right? And yeah. so, I think the you know we we get caught up in that, and and so most social people-
0: media has. Social media has warped our vision of people and right. life.
1: It has. And what it's turned us into is a bunch of presenters. Look how amazing mm-hmm. I look instead of, hey, here's what's going on for me. Right. We don't want to look like we didn't do it right. So we're not going to go, oh, mm-hmm. my God, I just filed bankruptcy. Guess how much debt I have. Right. We're going right. Right? to keep it a secret, silently shaming ourselves while trying to make everybody else think we've got it all together.
0: So, you're telling people if they're filing bankruptcy, make sure you post that on Instagram? Post
1: it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I probably so, don't do that. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a travel aficionado. Like I was saying, I lived in Tijuana ghetto for eight years. I actually lived in Mexico for eh, probably about 12 or 13, but... The last couple years, when I was I was actually living in SoCal for a period of time, I was traveling back into Mexico to commute to go to work at that point because wow. I was actually working for the Mexican government. So I did a reverse commute, and uh, which is crazy because here I am, white guy, non Latino from this small little coal country town of Pennsylvania, and I commute every day to work in Mexico, but I've lived in Peru as well, too, for over a year. And, you know, I I was able to, you know, I think those travels and seeing how people live, I mean, even middle income people of how they live in Peru, Mexico, compared to the middle income of us, it's, it's more moderate, more level headed. I mean, that changed my opinion as well, too. So I'm kind of interested in hearing about some of your other travel experiences. The one here that that I find fascinating is, you know, what was that one takeaway experience, your first marathon in Greece, and you did it on the original marathon course? That's got to yeah. be amazing. Yeah,
1: it was, in hindsight, it was pretty amazing. Um, but I got to tell you, so in, it, hindsight.
0: in hindsight,
1: it was amazing <laughs> right. as it was happening. It was amazing. But I, so a friend of mine said, Hey, go with me to Greece. Let's go run a marathon. I know you run. And I, my first response was traveling um, traveling's only for rich people. I'm not rich. So I'm right. out. He's like, what? I'm like, no, no, that's it's somewhere in a book. If you're not super rich, you can't travel. <laughs> He's like, you're an idiot. You've got the money. Let's go. So I'm like, okay, but I've never traveled. So I was terrified about traveling, but you know, we did it. Yeah. And so, you know, I got to Greece. It was the first time I had been out of the country. I was scared to exchange money. I was like, I it was just so out of my element. Um, Cause it was only for rich people. And I wasn't one of those people. And then, yeah. you know, running the marathon, you know, one of the things I learned in that was I ran 26.3 miles or 31 kilometers. I ran mm-hmm. one kilometer at a time. I did not try to think about running 31 kilometers. I just went, oh, here's the next marker. I made it. Let me see if I can do one more. So I, I, I made it in wow. digestible, bite-size, non-overwhelming uh, context because if I thought about baby running steps. that whole thing baby steps that's what I love to call it baby steps
0: baby that's, steps wasn't that in a uh, the bill murray movie oh probably oh you know where it I goes to the psychologist yeah no. yeah I can't think of the name but uh uh it's funny cuz you're you're my financial therapist and you're telling me baby steps so baby steps that rang a bell yeah yeah so
1: that's so that was really really helpful and I think you know once that was all done I mean when I actually finished the marathon I literally i stood there dazed and one of the guys said mm-hmm. it's okay you can cry and i'm like and i just said i just laid down on the on the field and just cried because it was such a cathartic experience a completing right. a marathon i'm in a foreign country spending foreign money these are all these right. things that i never thought possible and and so for me it was the beginning uh, of a really great journey and i met this woman on the trip we became really good friends we started traveling together and she's like, "Oh, if you think this is good, let's go here." And, and she really just took me around the world with her, and uh, wow, was really awesome.
0: That, that's, that's amazing. Uh, you know, I'm really happy for you. I personally, I love traveling, as I've said about a million times already. I would love to get some of those experiences. I don't know about running the marathon, but <laughs> I would definitely try walking the marathon yeah. throughout the course of a month. Yeah, and, there you uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> and I did just, uh, I, Baby Steps was in uh, What About Bob with Bill Murray? With there you therapy. go, What About Bob. I yeah. love that movie, man. Uh, <laughs> what About Bob. So, you know, we're talking about the baby steps and stuff. I mean, you also have what I brought up a little bit earlier then, the the baby steps that happened uh, in Nepal when yeah. you were trekking to, to the base camp Everest.
1: Yeah, so it was interesting. I This was my second trip back. And uh, the first time around we had a guide who was Canadian British who did not like Americans. So he sort of sabotaged our trip to base camp and uh, couldn't make it. And so I went back and it's not cheap. And I've got my friends with me and we're all ready for this trip. And after the first day, everybody went, this is really hard. Let's quit. (laughs) And I'm like, we got two more weeks, people. We got two more weeks to just get to the top and back. And Everybody was like, "No, this is really, really hard. This is like, this is day one." So I said, "Right, you know." So here I am in the moment. How do I save my money? <laughs> like, how do yeah. I? I just spent six, seven thousand dollars. I'm not wasting it. Um, so, so, I,
0: so hold on, hold on. So you're 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 there. People are th- and you're just thinking about the money.
1: I'm thinking about the money.
0: <laughs> hey, digital digital fist bump right there. I had the same exact same exact way. I'm I think about everything with the value perceived value and yeah. not wasting my money. So that's exactly. I'm like, yeah, we're not great. wasting
1: our money, people. Right. Uh, so I have to I have to come up with a sales pitch. And so I basically <laughs> looked at everybody and said, Hey, look, let's do this. Let's just agree to hike for an hour, and at the end of the right. hour, let's renegotiate. And so Very what good. we did was for the first three days, every hour, literally, I had an alarm and we would stop and say, Are we going to keep going? Or are we going to go back? And because it was only an hour, people are like, Oh, we could do one more. Oh, we could do one more. By the <laughs> by the end of the third day, we were start able, we would say, Let's go for four hours. And with you know, five or six days in, everybody's like, All right, we're we're doing this. They bought in. They bought in. But trying to not overwhelm because it was mm-hmm. a lot to take in and you see the mountain right. way over there and you're going, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have to get there. So, uh, baby steps, digestible.
0: Baby steps though. No, that's, that's one of the things I do eventually want to do as well. Get up there. And I think that's, uh, one of those great life experiences because yeah. for you, I mean, you have an amazing story that you're able to tell, And transpose that to uh, actually be a coaching advice based upon your personal experience. So, oh, go ahead.
1: Well, yeah, I was going to say, you know, the interesting uh, part of the story that I I actually have never mentioned before, uh, my friend that went with me the first time, exclusive, the first time (laughs) we went, we didn't make it. And so she didn't want everybody to know that she didn't make it, right? So she didn't really Mm -hmm. tell anybody she did or didn't. But I knew she never felt complete about it, like. That she never mm-hmm. had come clean with. I didn't really make it the first time, and so I knew right. how bad she wanted to get to the top. And when we got about a day away, she started right. saying, "You know what? My knees are bad. I, let's turn back." And mm. I knew how bad she wanted it, and I turned into this drill sergeant, and I'm like, "You wow. get up, that!" And people were like, "God, he's mean." And I just <laughs> just rode her, and I'm like, "Get up, get up, go, go, go," and you know, people positive
0: are, reinforcement positive at its best.
1: I will beat you. <laughs> and here's the great thing. After we got to the top, I got home. She sent me a letter and said, I am so grateful that you screamed and yelled me to the top because it was something that I was really trying to, um, I wanted to accomplish it, but I was doubting right. myself. And, and so it's really, sometimes we need that push.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. So we were, Running towards the end of this interview, and I think one of the questions we have we touched on the comedy store stuff in the beginning a little bit, but I've got to ask okay, you're a financial expert, okay? Yeah,
1: okay. How
0: (laughs) and why did you get involved in comedy and become the CFO of the world famous comedy store?
1: Well, okay, so. You know, every accountant's a comic, right? Uh, Bob Newhart was a comic, uh, was a CPA. Bob Newhart was a CPA. Um, you know, I was always, I always did comedy as a way of relating to people because I wasn't always that great socially, but I could make a joke right. and that was a way I could relate with people. And, you know, I was working at an accounting firm realizing that I wasn't going to be discovered as a great comic in the back accounting office with my calculator. Um, so I got out and I started doing stand up and sketch. And, What happened was I was running a show and comedy was going well. And I got a call from Mitzi Shore who said, Bob, you know, the comedy store is having trouble. You got to come in and help us out. And they had some IRS liens and some payroll stuff. And so I sort of jumped in because I wanted all my friends and I to have a stage to perform on. Right. And uh, it was more about wanting to make sure I had stage time than it was about. Becoming the CFO uh, but just over time uh Mitzi and the family trusted me and and it 's been an amazing relationship
0: no that that's a that 's a pretty good story and comedy 's fun you know I think it's i i i 'm the one that if you use it right i I, I can be in the most serious, most professional environment that I'm saying, you know, just the line here or there, a zigger that most people couldn't get it off, or it's almost cringeworthy, but <laughs> it, it breaks the ice. It yeah. allows you to do so much more. And, you know, if people are laughing, you know, one, they're listening to you. And two, it makes you a little bit more likable, I think. Yeah, absolutely.
1: We all got to be able to laugh. I mean, if we take everything too serious, it's not going to be much fun, uh, not a fun journey.
0: So let's pivot real quick then to, to your book. Okay. What prompted you to write a book about money and emotions?
1: So I was literally at the comedy store in the main room during the day. And one of my friends came through, who's a comic, all of her family members were doctors and all the good, you know, they were good Jewish kids. And Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) she was, she had just been shamed by her entire family for going into comedy. And she was Ah. just, and I said, you know, you're not the only one. She's like, what? Yeah. And I said, so many people do not have their money, money together. And she's like, no, 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 I'm the only one. And I was like, oh my God. This I keep hearing this. Everybody keeps mm-hmm. thinking they're the only one. And I thought, you know what? I want to write this book. I really want to help people start to realize there is no financial shame other than the ones we create. And that like it's unnecessary. So I wanted to really just start having conversations about money to let people off the hook um, in terms of self self-judgment.
0: That's a a great reason to get out there, write your book. This has been a fun, really good, deep conversation. A lot of cool stories that I personally can relate with. I've loved it. Where can people find your book and how can they get in touch with you?
1: Absolutely. So they can find me at themoneynerve.com and my email is bob at themoneynerve.com. You can buy the book there. You can buy the book through Amazon and other publishers. Um, it's a great book. It's an easy read. I try to make it digestible so that it's not <laughs> overwhelming. It's not Tony Robbins, 5,000 pages of how to get right. your finances together. Like, cause it's an overwhelming topic. So uh, the money yeah. nerve navigating the emotions of money. Um, we have an online course also. That's a 12 week course, just learning your financial history, mastering the emotions of money. And anybody that wants to reach out, we're more than happy to connect with.
0: Yeah. You know, money is one of those weird topics that, you know, you don't want to make it overwhelming when you're writing a book, but I think people are kind of, you know, like it's hard for them to accept it because it's not what they want to hear, right? but it is the truth.
1: It is the truth. Yeah. And I think it's hard to digest it in large bites. You know, most of my my clients will say you got 20 minutes
0: (laughs) and then I'm (laughs) shutting down. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Anyways, Bob, this has been a great discussion. Thank you so much for coming on here. We're going to make sure that we have a link to the money nerve down in the description, as well as we're going to throw up uh, a link to, I guess, the Amazon copy of your book as well, too. So people can just click right there and purchase it. Nice. Uh, Hope they reach out to you. And we hope to have you back in the show in a couple more months.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much. It was great being here, David. I appreciate it.
0: Uh, No problem. Thank you. Cheers. Amazing discussion with Bob, right? First, remember, we are trying to build a thriving community for this podcast. So whether you're watching on YouTube, or you're listening to the audio format of the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, wherever you are, okay, do us a favor. Smash that subscribe button, hit the like button, rate the podcast five stars, whatever you can. And if you really want to help us grow, share this interview to your network and let's help small business minded folk. Break through the barriers, preventing them from growth, okay? That's what this podcast is about. This is why I do it. I do this for free. It's my own personal show. So do me a favor. You love this interview. You love this show. Share it out to your network. Let's grow it. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Give us a rating. I'd be very, very, very grateful for everybody out there helping us. So back to Bob. That was an amazing discussion. It's one of those intimately personal discussions for me because I can fully relate to what Bob is discussing. Our international travel experiences, yeah, they were different. He went on different trips where, in my case, I actually physically moved to Mexico for 15 years I even worked with the Mexican government for two years, and I've also lived a year in Peru, too. Oftentimes, I've wondered, you know, hey, David, do you think you could do this again? Do you think you would do it again? And, you know, that cross-border life, living in Mexico, working in the U.S., crossing the border every single day, it was a tough life but it did mold me into the person that I am today, and I do see things in a different light, I guess you could say, now that I'm living back here in the United States. And that's where I think Bob and I really line up together. We both share the quote-unquote real-world view, seeing how You know, most of the rest of the world lives who are outside of the U.S., U.K., Europe, Australia. You know, you're you're talking Central, South America, Africa, Asia, places like that. I mean, it's very drastically different than how we live here in the States. And we really do need to appreciate what we have and think about really what is important to us. And, you know, while, again, I was down there in Mexico, Peru, and I went through some amazing stories. I'll tell anybody that wants to know some stories about the uh, experiences I've had and how difficult it was. I'll gladly share that to you all. Bob's experiences while he was in Africa did give him a lot of the same feelings and exposures that I had. And it really is an amazing story he has to be able to tell. Another area I wanted to point out was the baby steps with his base camp Everest in Nepal story, how they ended up doing things in small bite-sized chunks Every single day. I mean, that's really important. You have to remember, you know, you should not have the I want it, I want it now, I want it all mentality. Um, you know, because the philosophy like like Bob is saying with the bite-sized chunks is really you know, it translates, it's translatable, and it goes over to many different things in life and business. I mean, look at my life with ERP, okay? What I do with Vision 33 and SAP uh, Business One. Oftentimes, customers are like, hey, we want the sky, the stars, and the moon. And we can give them the sky, the stars, and the moons, but does it make sense? That is such a massive project. So much training I mean you're you're doing like a full body transplant and then you're adding a couple limbs too essentially what we're doing. So we usually tell them, hey, look, let's take a phased approach. Okay? That way we can take The baby steps towards the actual end goals of what your organization wants to have. And that way, it's a much more balanced approach. And it's actually a much more successful approach because you're doing it in steps, in phases. It allows it to grow more organically than just night and day and everybody being overwhelmed in a bad spot. So anyways, amazing, amazing interview with Bob Wheeler once again. A ton of valuable insight that I can personally relate to. Remember, check out his book, The Money Nerve. I'll make sure that I post the Amazon link down there in the descriptions of all the videos. Click it, click on it, check it out. Amazing book. Uh, Bob did Put a personal message in there for me. So grateful that he sent this to me. Uh, It's a great, great, great read. Okay? So today's episode discussion question. What is the worst mistake you've made because you allowed emotions to control your finances? (laughs) i want to hear this i mean i bought a car uh, on an impulse so i want to hear what you guys think discuss below i'm going to love to read some of these stories lastly 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 do you want to be a guest on the show do you have a good business story to tell about how your business pivoted during the pandemic shoot me an email David at sharkbitebiz.com. I'm looking forward to spotlighting you all on this podcast. Once again, I'm David Strasser. This is SharkBiteBiz, and we'll see you next episode on Thanksgiving Day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to SharkBiteBiz.